Zach Cerrito here from Boston Speaks Up. I'm here with Miracle Alatunji. How are you, Miracle? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Thanks. If you can tell, I'm ever so slightly battling like which may be like a seasonal allergy cold. I can't really tell. Mm -hmm. I feel fine, but I sound weird. <laughs> I think we'll see how it sounds on the podcast. Um, but no, it's been a good week. We're recording this on a Friday. How's your week been? It's been awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. You're like beaming with, with like positivity. Like the second I saw you today, mm -hmm. which is, I can, I gathered that from afar and now I get to kind of experience miracle, oh, your, ener <laughs> your energy, um, live and in the flesh, which is great. Um, super, Super uh, grateful to have you in studio, really impressed at the resume that you come into the studio with, mm -hmm. um, being only 20 years old. I'm going to be 20 in three months. So you're 19. Yeah. <laughs> you have quite the resume for a 19 year old. You are by far the youngest person we've had on the podcast. When you initially, um, when we connected, I was like, wow, like you're so, my, my instincts are like, wow, I want to talk to all people from all different generations, but like, what's a, what's a 19 year old done? <laughs> and then I started looking under the hood and I'm like, Oh my God. Um, so impressive. So impressive. And, um, so Boston, we're lucky, we're lucky to have you. You've Thank been you. here for, for a year, a year now. Yeah. You got to Northeastern last August, mm -hmm. first time to Boston. Had you come like before no, to see I the city? I actually went in my junior year and I really loved it. It was yeah. mainly because of the food, but also like the people. Nice. Um, so yeah, I've cool. been here for a year now. What was the food that drew you in? Uh, I think it was, I'm still trying to remember. We went to this one restaurant and the food was really good. Mm -hmm. I feel like it was be good, mm -hmm. but I'm not hundred percent nice. sure. Yeah. Yeah. So like Boston's one of those cities that really is like hip to all the healthy food trends, yeah. <laughs> which is great. I moved back from LA and it's like, Oh cool. There's be good. There's sweet green. It's mm -hmm. all the familiar healthy foods yeah. that, that I became accustomed to in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. So I'd love to get up to speed on what you're doing now, but want to kind of go back in time and, and talk about your upbringing a bit, uh, opportunity that yeah. you, that you did in, in high school. Um, but first sort of where did, where were you born? So I was actually born in Nigeria okay. and we moved to the States before I was a year old. Mm -hmm. And when we first moved to the States, we lived in New York. Okay. Um, and then after a couple of years, we moved to Delaware, which is where I would say I grew up. You grew up. Yeah, I pretty okay. much grew up there. Got it. So how many months were you when you moved from Nigeria? Oh, like super young. Like, I'm not sure. Yeah. Probably like cool. five months. Cool. Yeah. My, my daughter has a nice little backdrop story where like she'll be raised in Boston, but she spent the first nine months of her life in LA. Oh, wow. So it's cool. So it's like awesome. yeah, nice to have roots in other places. Mm -hmm. So you moved to New York, you were there briefly, and then you went to Delaware. To Delaware, yeah. And I think you, like, you were there like 10 plus 10 years. 10 plus years, yeah. yeah. And talk about, and uh, I want to talk about the, the, the sibling dynamic. Oh, yeah. In the household. <laughs> and then also the interesting schooling you had. It's yeah. not like you got a good exposure at different uh, lanes and pathways mm -hmm. that young people can be educated through different schools, through homeschooling. Yeah. Um, so what was your childhood like? <laughs> so I have a lot of siblings. I have four siblings. Okay. So it's like my That's older fun. brother. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. W yeah. What are the ages? Like where do y'all fall? <laughs> so my older brother, he's two years older than me and like we have the same birthday. And then I have two twin sisters who are 17 now and uh, they're two years away from like my age. Yeah. And then my little sister, she's 12. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. fun. So the, the, um, the, the twin 17 year olds, are they like 
are they the twins that are really into twinning and like, are they going to go to college together? Are they going to go on their own paths or Uh, what? So here's the thing about that. When they were little, they like love to dress up the same and now they're like starting to form their own like personal friends, like personalities. And so like they both like to do different things, but they still like to do a lot of stuff together. Cool. Um, And then with the college thing, honestly, I don't know. They're applying to colleges right now. I'm really excited to see where they end up. Interesting. Any chance either of them follow their big sister to Boston? One of them really likes Northeastern. The other one really wants to live in New York because they were both born there and she wants to go back nice so yeah i'm just excited for them i don't know where they're gonna end up that's awesome so what so what um how was the schooling that you experienced in delaware so in middle school i went to three different middle schools actually so the first one was a private school that i had gone to like for most of my childhood and then the next one i did a home school called Mm -hmm. toll institute Mm -hmm. and the way it was set up was like you would go there on a monday and you'd get all your work for the week and then Mm -hmm. when you come back the following monday you should have all your work completed and then whenever you had tests, they were usually on a Wednesday and your parents would like grade your tests. Interesting. So like I would only go to school one day a week, but like I was also involved in like volleyball and I did choir and other activities just so I could like stay meeting with other kids. Yeah, That's not just yeah. me. Yeah. And then the eighth grade year, I went to a public school. So <laughs> how like describe some of the differences, advantages, disadvantages, like what was it? What was the shock of going to public school? After all that, what was the advantages of the, that, did you find some of that homeschooling setup to be like against a nice tight schedule and mm-hmm. efficient? Like where were the, like, was it, where were the strengths and gaps? Yeah. I would say like the difference, especially I saw was from my private school, my public school. So like in my private school, I was like specifically taught like, Oh, be nice to other people and like golden rule, treat people how you want to be treated. Soft then, skills. Yeah. The yeah. soft skills. Yeah. And then when I went to the public school, I saw a fight for the first time in my math class. And I was like, what is happening? I didn't know what to do. I was just sitting there. Um, so it's just like really different to see like the different people that I was interacting with at Mm -hmm. like both schools. Mm -hmm. And then with the homeschool, I think that taught me to be like independent and manage my time better just because like I had a week's worth of work to do before the next Monday. So I had to like manage my time really well. Yeah. That's really interesting. Um, speak a little bit more about, about the, the, the homeschooling. Like it, would you say that there's some takeaways from homeschooling that you feel like should be applied to public school, like um, it, it, with regards to specifically to the soft skill coaching. Oh yeah. mm-hmm. I think, I feel like in schools, I wish that students had more like self-directed projects. I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with this like group called dual school no. where like they have students work on like an entrepreneurial project mm-hmm. um, while they're in high school. And I wish that like public schools would have those kind of programs for students to kind of like express themselves. Cause like the school I was going to, they were having like budget cuts and the arts program and things like that. And kids weren't really getting to express themselves that much. So I wish there were more avenues for people to express themselves. Yeah. Well said. So then you went off to high school out of public school with this exp- a range of experience most soon to be ninth graders mm-hmm. um, didn't have. Where did you go to high school? I went to the charter school, Wilmington. It's a like science and tech focused sure. charter school. Sort Wilmington. of a STEM focus. Yeah, STEM focus. Yeah. yeah. Cool. And that was where you were first exposed to entrepreneurship yeah. and some, some programs that were kind of baked into mm-hmm. the curriculum. Yeah. Speak so to those? the one program that I did was actually outside of the school. It was called the diamond challenge. And it's basically this global entrepreneurship competition for high school students. You could be anywhere in the world and participate in this program. And that's kind of how I learned about entrepreneurship in the first place. Cool. And then what was the spark was, where was the spark for opportunity? Yeah. Did, did I say that right? Yep. Okay. <laughs> So what was the spark for that and and how did that come to fruition? 
And then where, where is it today? Yeah, so I decided to start Opportunity in my junior year because I was doing all these summer programs at like different colleges, and that's how I actually got to come to Boston for the first time. Yeah. I did this engineering program at MIT, and like we went into Boston on one of the nights, and it was a lot of fun. And then um, I would do all these summer programs, but the problem that I found was really hard to find them. Like it took me so many hours just to find these programs. And then I talked to all my friends, and like they were having the same problem. And I did this survey that I sent out to different students, like in different Facebook groups that I'm a part of, and like the people there from around the country yeah. and so a lot of people said they were having the same issues with like Discovery. finding opportunities yeah. yeah so i was like okay what can i do to solve this problem yeah. and i decided to create a platform where students could actually go and like find different opportunities like yeah. scholarships conferences and like summer programs that they could be a part of great yeah great and is that still alive and well so today? for right now um especially since i'm applying to co-ops yeah. and everything my schedules have been a bit yeah. crazy so i kind of put it on yeah. hold for now yeah. but i do plan to pick it back up cool yeah and so then you you come on to you come to boston full tilt last august mm -hmm. you enroll at northeastern what was uh what what was that like what was the experience of like starting school did you, did you feel like you were ready um for from a uh from a personal standpoint and from sort of like a student intellect standpoint, mm -hmm. did you feel pretty prepared for your college education coming mm -hmm. in? I would say academically, yeah. yeah. My charter school prepared me for yeah. that. But the part that I was really nervous about, so we were driving down, it's like five hours from yeah. Delaware to Boston. And I was just feeling like a lot of nervousness and excitement, just like being in a new city, being far away from home for a long time. I was like a little bit anxious about that. But yeah. it ended up being a really great experience like cool. when I first started. Nice. And then when did you discover Thrive? So I actually found out about Thrive during orientation. Mm -hmm. So I didn't actually visit Northeastern until after I got in okay. for like the, I think it was welcome day. Yeah. And so when I went, I went to one of the info sessions and Thrive was presenting yeah. and I was like, wow, this is so cool. Like a lot of people don't learn about financial literacy in school. Like yeah. if your parents don't teach you, you most likely won't learn it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that it's really important for college students to learn those skills. So that's why I wanted to get involved and not only learn those skills myself, but help other people learn them too. Nice. And what's the framework for Thrive is Thrive. Is it college students at Northeastern or any other universities and are you going into um, what, where is financial literacy breaking it down to more layman's terms mm -hmm. being shepherded and shepherded toward younger people? Like mm -hmm. how's, how's that all manifest? Um, so Thrive right now is focused on Northeastern students. Okay. So we do like different workshops on topics like budgeting and okay. saving and student loans. That's like probably the most popular one is student yeah. loans. Um, and then we like just do different outreach events around campus to different sororities and like clubs on campus. Um, and then what was the other part of your question? Well, I was curious if actually you um, pointed some of Thrive's focus at like Boston public schools uh, and, and some of the younger people mm -hmm. to catch them before they make those decisions yeah. to incur that debt. Mm -hmm. The reason I bring that up, actually, someone that I think might be cool to introduce you to is my cousin, uh, JP Servideo, who I had on podcast. He might have been like the third or fourth episode we've done. Mm -hmm. um, I think this is episode 30, by the way. Oh, wow. um, congratulations on the 30. Um, <laughs> So he has a organization called Future Fortune Builders oh, nice. and he goes into, he partners with schools. Um, he actually recently went to Jamaica. He actually went and toured Africa and he talks specifically to children between the ages of 12 and 17 and teaches them about financial literacy mm -hmm. and about like financial empowerment mm -hmm. um, so that they have tools and knowledge that to your point, 
you don't know when you end up in college or wherever. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I just very much understand the financial literacy gaps just through my cousin and all the time he spent sort of investing, um, in building his, 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 his framework, mm-hmm. if you will. Um, so there might be some interesting sort of collaboration yeah, between, cause he's, he lives in San Diego, but he travels all around and he's a Boston boy. Mm-hmm. And when he comes back, he tries to find, um, places to speak and share yeah. what he's learned. So maybe there's some sort of framework where he can come mm-hmm. in and, and, and collaborate with Thrive. Yeah, I'd at, really love to connect with him. At Northeastern, that'd, mm-hmm. be, that'd be really cool. Because there was one organization actually last semester called Invest in Girls, and they're based here in Boston. And what they do is they teach high school girls those skills. Yeah. So their motto is literally like helping them become the CFO and the CEO of their lives. Yeah. Um, so it's like really awesome to hear what your brother's doing too. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Um, so, so talk to me about the some of the other like talk to me about boston like what it's been like your year in like your it's it was cool to hear your your answers like to the pre-podcast q a like it seems like you're experiencing what what many do which 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 is what i love about the city which which what drew me back it's a lot of there's a lot of great mentors here. There's a lot of positivity. There's a lot of change. There's a lot of people that want social change. Like there's, mm-hmm. there's much further we need to get, but there seems like folks are on the front lines kind of working on it together. Um, so what's it been like just being here, being young, being very driven like yourself, uh, entrepreneurial mindset. What's the, um, how would you like, how, like what's your interpretation of, of Boston as a place for, you know, because I think one one good thing about this podcast will be it's a, it's a nice one to share with maybe um, you know young people that are maybe considering like where's the city that I can go mm-hmm. to help um, you know bring about the change I want to bring about in the world. Mm-hmm. And so, what would you say to, to a young person that's maybe you know like your twin sisters that are that are you know considering where they're going to school? Like, what's your pitch for Boston? Uh, <laughs> I think Boston's a really great place to yeah. live. Yeah. Um, like you really see yourself grow on a personal level and like a social level and also professionally. We were talking earlier about how you went to like a blockchain conference. Yeah. Like just last week I went to the She Geeks Out Summit. Um, and it was really, really inspiring. I met a lot of women in tech and business. And so I would say Boston's a really great place to go, like to just see yourself grow. Yeah. Um, and then in terms of the social aspect, like the social issues, I think that there's a lot of change being made. And like you said, everyone's like working together to create that change. Uh, So like when I first got here, actually, I was at a conference called the Forefront Summit Mm -hmm. and um, it was hosted by this company called Forefront Cultures. And they're trying to like increase diversity and inclusion and like companies. And I was talking with the CEO of a bank here in Boston about like diversity and inclusion and like the future of work and how people can feel like not just only included, but feel like they belong Mm -hmm. inside of the workplace. So I think there's a lot of change being made, which is really exciting. That's great. Mm -hmm. There's, um, earlier in the year, I spoke with Marty Fuller. She's at the Dearborn school Mm -hmm. in Roxbury. It's not too far from Northeast. Are you familiar with the Dearborn school? so. So there's, so there like what Marty will say and, and some will agree with is like almost like the education innovation sort of district of Boston, you could actually almost dub is really right around where Dearborn is in Roxbury. Cause it's where there's just this high density of young people that are, mm-hmm. um, you know, Boston natives that are, that are in school and they're creating a ton of frameworks. They're actually have, they have their advisory council meeting in, in a couple of weeks. It might be something interesting. I could share the details on, but basically what they're doing is they're partnering with the private sector. So they're partnering with like the Microsofts of the world. And then they're partnering with um, sort of uh, 
you know, consultants and, and just like local brands and just folks that basically are looking to employ young talent from Boston. And then they're bringing in the teachers from the Dearborn school and they're having like open discussions about like the curriculum and how they can create pathways in high school Mm -hmm. for students. Because for many, um, for many people in the U S right now, and I, I talked to this about this recently with David, uh, Delmar Sentiez, mm-hmm. who founded Resilient Coders, but basically tons of young people can't go to college, but you could like develop skills like coding skills to, to gain employment, um, and, and, and really sort of improve your, you know, the, your own economic outcome. Um, and so that's the sort of stuff that I'm seeing in the city right now. And I'm like, Oh wow. Like this is, this is really amazing to be like, David gave me this stat where, so it's a 15 week coding program right now. We can only accept 20 students, but the uh, 20% of applicants, um, few dozen students at a time, 96% of the students that graduate after the 15 weeks get employment in Boston mm-hmm. and an average salary of $96,000. And they're all, um, people of color, Latinos, like blacks, you name it. Like it's only, it's only for minorities. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not for like, it's that that's very specifically focusing on like that sort of economic impact. Um, he's a, he's a Mexican American that just like has experienced like a lot of um, just sort of economic gap between like mm-hmm. white people and people of color in Boston. And he's like, I don't understand like why people over here in Roxbury can't come and work over here in Cambridge. Like mm-hmm. what's like, what's the what's issue here? Yeah. Um, and so he's doing a really interesting program around out of uh Cambridge Innovation Center. Have you stumbled onto that building yet? No, I haven't. 50 Milk Street, Cambridge Innovation (laughs) Center. It was originally, um, and there still is the original headquarters in in, uh, one Broadway in Kendall Square. Mm -hmm. But it's New York Times once dubbed it the building with the most startups in the world inside of it. That's the type of city Boston is. It's just like filled with gems like CIC. And so Resilient Coders is building out its alternative coding school in CIC. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the sort of stuff that's happening where it's like, and I, I asked David, I'm like, so what stops you from helping more uh, blacks and Latinos to get jobs in tech in Boston? Like you see, you have plenty of supply, like where, like you have plenty of folks that would, you know, sort of run through the program, but like, do you have a problem with a supply of jobs? And he's like, hundred mm-hmm. percent. He's like, I'm partnered with Wayfair and Wayfair will hire like five, six of my graduates. And they're a big part. So, but we need more. So it's like more as more big institutional organizations, maybe like fidelities of the world as they, as they come in, then you start to sort of um, see programs like resilient coders grow. And I think the key is like, hopefully an outcome of Boston speaks up and it, and it happens a little bit behind the scenes when I, when I, as I'm connecting people, but as these frameworks are all propping up, like there's resilient coders here, like there's thrive at Northeastern, there's tech for hood out in Lawrence, actually out where I'm from and teaching young people how like computer skills, like that don't have computers at home. And if there can be a little more like horizontal communication amongst those organizations, mm-hmm. um, there's just so many things going on exactly. <laughs> a bit disparate around Boston. And, and so like the hope and the, and the thought is, can we kind of bring those types of groups together? So I've talked a bit long in this part of the podcast, but that is all to sort of crescendo into, you seem to have a beat on groups, people like organizations that are really 
pushing for change. Mm-hmm. Um, so teach me, educate me, Boston, on, and tell me about some of the discoveries you made recently, some of the places you've spoke, you are speaking, and just some of the organizations that we should also, like Boston Speaks Up, should should speak to and learn more about, sure. and we should share more with the community. Yeah, so I mentioned uh, She Geeks Out. They're a really great like group here in Boston. They also have a San Francisco location as well, like a group in San Francisco. And so they have an event series that they just started called the She Eats Out Summit, um, where they bring in different speakers to talk about tech and finance and business. And so like their whole mission is to like get more women into those fields, which I think is really awesome. And then there's Elevate Boston, which is this mm-hmm. woman's network here. I don't know if you're familiar with like Elvest. It's like a platform for females to like invest. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's like cool. The founder is like incredible. She's actually, I think she was in Boston for a conference a while ago. Okay. Um, I think it might've been Hub Week. Okay. I'm not sure, but um, she's awesome. And she also started Elevate, which is like women's networks. And so each like Elevate has a chapter in a lot of major cities. Mm-hmm. And so I'm familiar with the chapter in Boston. They do a lot of great work. And actually one of like their, um, like people in their organization came to speak at a Thrive event last semester called Women Empowered to Financially Thrive. And so we have that event happening again, like this semester in November. Great. Um, so I'm really excited about that. The theme is uh, building your network building your self-worth and your mm-hmm. network. Mm-hmm. Um, so like those kind of things are what we want to like do in our community. Nice. Are you already eyeballing, like, a, like are you involved yet in a co-op? Or, so I'm applying yeah. actually right You're now. You're applying now. Yeah. So what sort of like co-op are you out, like identifying as like your goal? Um, I wouldn't say I have a specific yeah. one in mind yet, but I'm looking for like finance, entrepreneurship related yeah. kind of roles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you talked about the, this a bit in the pre-podcast questionnaire, the, like talk a bit about like why the importance, like the emphasis on finance for me personally, for you personally as oh. like, a, yeah, like and how that empower, like you feel that as an empowerment mm-hmm. sort of lane of, 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 of knowledge and sort of career path. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it all started also in my junior year, which is when I first learned about entrepreneurship too. But I went to an event with my mom focused on like financial literacy, um, especially for women and minorities. And so that kind of like opened my eyes because I didn't know anything about any of that stuff before. Um, And it made me see the importance of it. Um, I didn't feel like discouraged when I heard all the stats, like, oh, there aren't that many female CEOs. Like there's more CEOs named James, I think it is, than there are like CEOs in the Fortune 500 that are women. So I was like, what in the world? Yeah, the name James. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's really weird. And, and then like, many more white, yeah. old white men. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Okay. <laughs> and so, like, recently I heard that it will take about 208 years for gender equality to be a reality. Did you tweet world. that? Yeah. I saw that tweet and I was like, fuck. Yeah, I know. I was like, what in the world? Unless you're, like, a vampire. So, so state that very clearly, that uh, fact that you so, learned. Yeah, yeah, so the World Economic Forum did yeah. a study and they found that it will take about 208 years for like gender equality to be a reality in the U.S. When I heard that, I was just. And miracle, Alatunji said, <laughs> "Fuck that! I want to. I want to be part of some sort of positive yeah. change to 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 lessen that mm-hmm. that weight." Time. We don't have that much time to no, wait. <laughs> like, we don't have that time. Vampire. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we like that gap needs to be solved and climate change. Mm-hmm. Those are the two things that need to be solved on the planet. For sure. and everything else kind of can. <laughs> fall below those two things. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are the next few years look like for you? Like, are you, and I, you know, I asked this to you as well. Like it's, it's a juggling act. Like yeah. you, it's, you've, and we, and maybe we can talk a bit about, you know, you've already published a book, you're a student, you're, you're active in, in thrive, you're public, you're doing public speaking. Um, 
are there any other aspirations you have over the next three years while you're still a student that you'd like to, to share with the community? Um, I don't know if this will be in the next three years, maybe the next five, but I would really like to start like after college, a scholarship fund. Um, because like personally for me, I pretty much get through college through scholarships and I see how much that helps a lot of students and like the student loan debt thing is just like, it's just crazy. Um, it's growing every single day. I think it's like 1.5 trillion now. Um, and so like a lot of people who come into thrive, they have student loan questions. So like in the future, I would like to start a scholarship fund and like help students like with their loans and yeah. with their education expenses. Great. So like, that's something I'd like to do in the future. Wonderful. Whenever you're doing that, let me know. Okay. Um, I have, yeah, a couple friends that are working on some like innovative scholarship models to attach scholarship to like mentorship. Mm-hmm. So like you apply for a scholarship and with the scholarship comes a, basically comes a, like an active mentor. It's almost like active VC. It's almost like what underscore VC is doing where like they invest in a company, but then they're like, and we have all these like active, like these growth agents that we pay to activate around your business. Um, but yeah, like just scholar, you know, scholarship innovation in general is really, is really, um, fascinating. There's actually a lot more scholar to point about opportunity and just, discovering those opportunities discovering scholarships is dif- is difficult oh, there was like a startup i helped out with a few years back it was called scholarship owl they were out of israel and they had a really they were addressing a really important pain they were just literally created like a badass search engine for you you specifically did a q a and scholarship owl would say like miracle here you go based on your question and answer like here's all the many scholarships available to you many of which um, maybe wouldn't have been as easily um, discoverable in, in, in Google. Cause many scholarships are like, just not like you, you, th- you start working backwards. It's like, well, what's the problem? Like many scholarships are not like, they're not pu- published and like, they're not like search engine optimized. Yeah. And so like, they're tough yeah. to find. Um, so I imagine someone like yourself were like me, I found them. I scrapped and you know, you, yeah. you put in the hours to you find every to. scholarship yeah. you could. And um, I remember, like, the first two years of my school, I was pretty good with scholarships. And then I was like, oh, crap, my scholarships are, like, only some of them went through four years. I'm like, all right, I guess I got to go work at the bars. <laughs> um, so you do – but scholarship is a, is a, is a good focus. Um, have you identified any types of um, – businesses big or small in Boston that you feel like have like a strong social impact mission, like from a corporate social responsibility standpoint, like you feel like they're, they're doing things that, um, not should should simply just be admired, but actually should maybe be emulated by other companies. Um, so actually the forefront summit that I was talking about, the CEO that I um, interviewed, he's from Eastern bank. Okay. And so they're doing a lot of really great community initiatives. Like, um, they also have a lot of women on their board, which I think is really awesome. So I think that they're a really great company to yeah. emulate in terms of like their social impact and like commitment to diversity and inclusion. Yeah. Cool. And, cause, and it's early to, to, to put you on the spot and ask you this. Like, do you feel like when you graduate from Northeastern, is Boston the sort of city that you want to like melt into a career and, and, and stay in mm-hmm. upon graduation? Yeah. I really, <laughs> I really hope like so. <laughs> That's what, one of the other things I talk to folks about Boston that are more like, at least a decade plus into a career like me. It's like, we got to keep more talent here. Mm-hmm. There's such an amazing talent, uh, talent pool that comes to school here. Yeah. Um, 
and 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 some leave. Some might argue that many leave, mm-hmm. uh, and some come back. Uh, but the more we can kind of stay here and work on these things to get together, the better. For sure. Have uh, you heard of fun? Like Tell me about fun. Fierce urgency of now. Are you familiar with it? No. So basically they do a week long series of events and their goal is to try to address what you just said. Like okay. a lot of students leaving Boston and going yeah. to like Silicon Valley okay. or like somewhere else. So like they have different events hosted by different companies yeah. to talk about like, you know, how we can push for more diversity and just like make Boston a more welcoming place for all people. And, um, and what's fun stand for again? Uh, fierce urgency of now. Fierce urgency of now. Yeah. I, th- and I believe who's it's something. It? Uh, Martin Luther King said. Okay. Yeah. Cool. All right. I definitely have to check them out. Mm-hmm. Absolutely have to check them out. So what? Uh, what else? What? What? Are, what aren't we talking about? I feel like you have. Like, let's talk about your book. Oh yeah. How did you write a book? <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, it's, it was like a year long project. And so I'm part of this community called next gen summit and they're like this big community of entrepreneurs from around the world. Um, I'd love to connect you with them. They're really awesome. Uh, so the founders, Justin and Dylan, um, through them, I was introduced to someone named Eric Custer who started a publishing company and like a, like coaching practice to help like college students and high school students write their own books. And so like through that is how I got to write my book. Um, and so it actually came yeah. out when I was abroad. So I went yeah. to Denmark this past summer yeah. and like the day it came out, I was just like really happy. And like yeah. now that I'm back, I'm doing like book talks and things like that. Yeah. And like, what's the general, um, like what's the, give me the elevator pitch to, to read the book. Yeah. So yeah. I think the book is for anyone who wants to like make a difference in the world in some way. It doesn't have to be like curing cancer, but it can be just like making a difference in your community. And I just really want people to know through the book that you have unlimited potential. I think in my life, the thing that really stood out to me from the diamond challenge yeah. and my biggest takeaway from all these experiences is like realizing my potential. Mm-hmm. Cause when I first started high school, like I didn't know anything, <laughs> like I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I didn't really like have a lot of aspirations but like as I went through all these programs I started to like realize my potential more Mm -hmm. and as I was connecting with other people and just like talking to them about their experiences I was able to see that like yeah we all have the potential to do awesome things in the world like yeah yeah let's talk about where that comes from so you know I asked you this in the in the question and answer beforehand like I would love for you to talk to about your mom a bit. And then there's also like a solid list of inspiring figures that have, that have brought you inspiration, um, throughout life. Oprah comes to mind. Yes. And by the way, her podcast, I'm an audio junkie. Do you uh-huh. listen to super, super soul? soul? Yes. Oh, my queen. <laughs> it's so good. And then my boy, Tom Brady was on. I was like, Oh, this is so cool. Like I was already listening before TV 12 came on. Um, so yeah, talk about, Talk about your mentors, but begin with your mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my mom, she's my best friend. She's my cheerleader. And like, I always like to say she believed in me before I believed in myself. I feel like a lot of people, I don't know if you experienced this too, but when you were a, like an early teenager, you probably had a lot of like self doubt and mm-hmm. like, you just felt lost in the world. Like you mm-hmm. couldn't really see your place in the world. So my mom kind of was always believing in me and always telling me to like think big and dream big for myself. So she's awesome. I love her so much. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Thanks mom. I'm sure she'll listen to this <laughs> yeah. and she's going to love that. And she's going to call you up and you guys are going to like yeah. have a hug through the phone. Um, has she visited you like in, in Boston yeah. a few times? Is she like coming to visit? She loves going to visit. Nice. <laughs> she's like, she does real estate. So she's like, yeah. I'm going to try to get certified in Boston. So like I can see more Perfect. often. Yeah. yeah. Do it mom. <laughs> get over here. We'd love to move here full time. Um, 
Okay. And then talk about some other inspiring figures. Yeah. So, uh, Robert Smith is also someone, I don't know if you heard in the news recently, but he donated, I don't know how much million, but he's paying off student loans for Morehouse class of 2019. So he's really incredible. He does a lot of great community initiatives and he's a successful entrepreneur and investor. So I'm really inspired by him. And then Oprah, she's my queen. I love her. Um, she's really inspiring. I think that she's, it's really awesome that she's been able to like go through all these awful things in her life and like become so successful and also like give back, which mm-hmm. I think is really awesome. And then Sally Krawcheck is one of my role models. I mentioned her, she founded yeah. Elvest, yeah. the investing platform for women. And then Tiffany Pham, she's cool. the founder of Mogul. When she used to Google, she would search the word Mogul yeah. on Google and like the results, like yeah. there was never any women. Mm-hmm. So like now when you Google mogul, like it's her platform that comes up and yeah. like all these women that yeah. are doing awesome things. So that's, uh, that's, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, what is it about Boston that you feel like needs to change the most? Mm-hmm. I would say just like not only diversity and inclusion, but also like belonging and mm-hmm. making people feel like they're welcome yeah. um, into like various spaces, whether it's like corporate or just like tech events, just making it more welcoming for everybody. Yeah. yeah. No, that's a, that's a really, that's a really good answer. Um, are you interested in sort of like taking your, like, it sounds like when you finish school, like one of the things you want to do is kind of like take your message. Like this is probably be the first book of of more books and and kind of taking that positive message uh on tour and sharing with people inspiring people to get you know get the most get more out of themselves mm-hmm. um is that something you envision trying to make happen over the next few years like you know you when, when you were you know, and, and maybe speak to you know the program you did in Denmark but are you seeking out I feel like you seem very mindful in that you're seeking out all these different types of influences to expand your worldview as you go. And so I want you to stay in Boston. Mm -hmm. Ultimately I want that to be your home. What's your kind of plan vis-a-vis United States planet earth? Mm -hmm. Like, do you have aspirations of kind of like going on kind of a, you know, a, a tour? Like are there particular places that you feel like you would like to go and seek experience um, so I have this goal that I want to go to like every continent before I'm 30. Mm-hmm. So I haven't been to South America yet and I haven't been to Asia. Okay. I'm going to like to visit Africa cause like I haven't been since I was little. So right. like just go to like different countries in Africa as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like do a book tour, a speaking tour about like the topics that I speak, yeah. that I have in my book. Yeah. So something like that to kind of just reach more people, yeah. um, and encourage them. Yeah. Worry. No worries. Um, for our listeners, Miracle's phone just went off <laughs> and it's totally fine, but I just figured I'd embarrass her and make her giggle. Uh, that's cool. Uh, what was Denmark like? What were you doing in Denmark? Yeah, was, so when we were corresponding, you were like, Oh, I'm like, I'm going to Denmark for like a, like a summer program. Yeah. yeah. It was for study abroad, yeah. um, at Copenhagen business school. Yeah. And so I was taking two classes and also like finding time to like explore Denmark. Yeah. And also we went to Sweden mm-hmm. and Iceland as well. I went to Copenhagen and it was, I only went to the airport. And a lot of times you go to an airport somewhere and you're like, you don't really like feel like you can sense, like get a sense of the place. Mm-hmm. I was in Copenhagen for a long layover on my way to, uh, Can Leon down the South of France, like last summer. And I was like, this is such a like, kind of like, it's like a beautiful and bizarre place. Mm-hmm. I mean, people are like, 
they seem very sort of um, independently jovial. Like everyone's just kind of like going about their business, but with kind of a little smile on their face. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah. am I not, I'm like, am I on a set right now? <laughs> like, am I about to get punked? Um, I don't know. Did you like, what, what was the vibe of Copenhagen actually yeah. going into Copenhagen uh-huh. for a few weeks? Yeah. I was going to say like the people there are very chill, yeah. you know, it seems like they don't have any worries. Yeah. Um, and people are just like biking to work, biking to classes. Yeah. It's very just like, calm environment i would say like yeah more involved yeah i was like this seems like like there's like they're in like it's the it's a post-apocalyptic event and like these are like the survivors in this like corner of the world that wasn't impacted Mm -hmm. and they're living like the best life exactly and i'm like i want i want to know all the secrets (laughs) yeah um i'm generally a a happy person but i was just like these people are like collectively in aggregate happier than most people I see in an airport. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was just, that was my takeaway from yeah, Copenhagen. It was awesome. What was the, what was the program like? Uh, it was pretty good. Uh, kind of intense though. Cause like the way they do their education there is you don't have homework, you don't have projects that are graded. You have this one exam yeah. and that's your grade. Yeah. So like go, leading up to the exam, it was kind of stressful a little bit, but it ended up being okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. The, um, so we're what is it? It's it's a, we're just getting in October um, as we head into like the holiday season, if you will. Um, what's I've, I'm trying to think how far it's not too far south Delaware. It's like the weather in Boston similar to the weather in Delaware. A little bit more extreme. It's a little more extreme. Like we here. have all four seasons. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Are you what? Are, what's your favorite season? Hmm. I like winter because of Christmas. Yeah. But I also like spring because it's like a blend of hot and cold. Yeah. Weather. Nice. Yeah. My favorite time of the year is fall. Fall. I mean, fall and summer. Mm-hmm. I love them. It's interesting. <laughs> I really missed them when I went out to LA for so long. I was like, oh, I kind of missed the changes. But this time of the year in like September was so nice. Mm-hmm. I was like at the beach like every weekend with my wow. wife and daughter. It's like so cool. Um, what do you got going on this this fall? Speaking anywhere? Um, so this fall, I'm doing a lot of like book kind of speaking events. Mm-hmm. So I have one coming up with women and women with purpose. Yeah. And so we're doing like a book talk book talk event. Sorry, talk. Yeah. No <laughs> uh, we're doing a book talk event. Um, and so I'm just been applying to co ops and everything like that. Yeah. So and just like doing different podcasts as well. Nice. Yeah. Nice. You like you like the podcast that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you listen to podcasts yourself? Yeah, I do. What are your go to podcasts? Um, okay, so I really like How I Built This. Okay. Like yeah, with Guy Raz. One. That's like yeah. one of my favorite ones. One. And then Access and Opportunity is about like funding female and multicultural entrepreneurs, which okay. I really like. Um, I also listen to a lot of financial literacy podcasts as okay. well. Um, yeah, those are like my main ones. Access, access and Opportunity. Yeah. Interesting. All right, cool. I'll have, to, I'll have to check that one out. Yeah, I have quite quite the list that I try to listen to. Mm-hmm. Um but it's hard. Yeah. I probably have like no less than 12 that I want to listen to and only a few I can listen to every week. Yeah. Um, and it's hard sometimes to yeah. decide between wanting to listen to music or like listening to a I podcast. know. And then sometimes I'm like, I just need to listen to some music. Yeah. Go on a run and try to shut my brain off. Mm-hmm. Um, what other, what other things, are there any other things we haven't discussed that you want to share with the community? You are up to a lot. I just want to make sure that I, I've like, helped you cover it all. Uh, um, did we talk yeah. about women empowered to financially thrive? 
I think so, right? Yeah, yeah we, we did. did. Yeah, we did. Okay. Um, the other question I was going to ask you is just sort of like, what besides the the socioeconomic you know gap of our times mm-hmm. and and the lack of diversity in tech and the lack of diversity just in business and, and certainly in the C-suite, but in business in general. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of that, what happening in the world would you most like to see change? Mm-hmm. And what 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 you know concerns you, or, or or what do you have passion for? Like also involving your time, you know, as you grow and, and ascend in your career, and and you're a philanthropist someday with the capital to support mm-hmm. certain causes like what's that cause that that's facing the planet that that you're passionate about there's so many yeah. <laughs> um if i had to pick one outside of like economic or like financial um this one i don't think a lot of people talk about this a lot but like empathy just mm-hmm. like having more empathy for each other and being more understanding of mm-hmm. people and not just like tolerating, but actually seeking to understand like yeah. people's unique experiences. Yeah. I don't know if that's actually like a cause, but I just think that's something that I noticed I um, love in it. society that we need more of. It's very, um, it resonates with me. And also you're, you're the, the, the second person to give like a, a similar answer. And, um, and the other ones with, and also, I mean, you're, cause you're so young, you're 19. That's a very, um, sort of mindful uh, response. Uh, the the other person, like I, I've asked this question many times, Deirdre Santorelli, and she's kind of like had this big, wildly successful sort of VC and consulting career, and she was off to retirement and built her house up in Maine. And mm-hmm. Endicott College was like, "We're building this entrepreneurship school. We want you to be the, like the assistant dean of Endicott and like the head of our entrepreneurship school." It's like a dream job for her. She gets to just help like college entrepreneurs. So she's doing it. And, uh, and it's a couple, it's like a mile from my house. And so I got connected with her and I had her on the podcast and I asked her this question. I'm like, what about the world would you most like to see change? And she said presence. And she's like, I just think that we need to really find ways to compel more people to do what we're doing right now, which is like locking eyes and having a conversation, which Mm -hmm. By the way, is part of the reason why I love podcasting. Mm-hmm. Like as like literally as as my sort of artistry for the world because it forces me because I'm a creature of habit with my phone mm-hmm. and devices. Forces me to just like be in the moment and connect with the human and mm-hmm. like and and learn and and like actively listen. Um, I think similarly, empathy is like really important too. Yeah. It's just like really like we're all just we're all in this like rat race if you will like just moving so fast and just trying to get shit done and and trying to you know better ourselves for all you know and in, in the most optimistic way for you know for good reasons for ourselves for our families mm-hmm. um but damn like if if the whole world like i i talked to some some of the founders that i gravitate toward like in my like consulting career are like there's this founder i work with and he, he's built like this amazing like emotion uh, um like uh, it's basically like an emotion ai and like his his goal is to create like a language processing system that can understand emotions to help people better empathize with each other. Mm-hmm. Literally. So you might actually really like the company and it's like his goal. It's really cool. It's like his goal is like, if that's applied in entertainment to like, to help content programmers to better understand how to connect the audience. Like, sure. Like that's cool. But like his ultimate goal is that humans better understand each other and can better relate to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's cool because then you don't have those, kids getting in that fight 
in eighth grade in math class. <laughs> in math class at that public school that you yeah. witnessed, right? Um, Miracle, this has been great. Yeah, thanks for having yeah, me. This thanks, was fun. Yeah, thanks for coming and hanging out. I'm really I'm looking forward to making a few connections and uh, and 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 um, I appreciate like this newfound friendship mm-hmm. and looking forward to uh, the years ahead and, and really lucky that uh, that Boston has you right now and, and we're not gonna let you go. Um, <laughs> anything, any support or, or, or anything you have going on, just just let me know. Love to love to share it um, share it with the community via other channels too. Okay, thank yeah. you so much. Yeah, thank you. All right, cheers, Boston. <laughs>